0: All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. And today we have a special guest, um, a new old guest on the podcast. So um, Berge Fagerli makes a special return. He has been on this podcast a lot and on my YouTube channel a lot. And then he kind of went missing and he kind of went on different paths. So we want to discover that and a few other cool topics. So Berge, Hey, how are you doing?
1: Hi, you pronounced my name really great, by the way. I think it's the first, uh, it, it's the best pronunciation I've ever heard uh, from an international oh, really? podcaster. So congr- re- c- congratulations on that.
0: Oh, thank you. Actually, maybe you can do a public service announcement and just, can you say your name, like how you would actually say it in Norway? Okay, so it's basically the same as mine, just like the the vowels are a little bit briefer
1: exactly yeah. so yeah, most yeah. most people just say borg and then, you know i'm that reminds me of the the old star trek evil borg race and i'm i'm completely fine with that
0: yeah borg i mean it's still better than some of the like burge fagerly yeah. and some somewhat <laughs> fagerly some
1: and fagerly that's uh, the worst pronunciation of my my last
0: name Fay, fager fagerly, fagerly i think yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. burge so what what's going on with you these days uh <laughs> that's a very broad question but um w- what are you doing what are you passionate about uh what are you engaged with um just just in general life like people know you as the fitness guy the nutrition guy who writes and talks about biorhythms and myoreps and um Maybe you're still doing that just in um, Norwegian and mm-hmm. not in English anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, can you just give a brief update first?
1: Uh, brief update. Um, in 2019, uh, January, <clears throat> I started working full time as a product manager for the company I founded in 2006, My Revolution, mm-hmm. um, a supplier of uh <clears throat> sports nutrition and, and health supplements. Um, so, I, I've been working on that for a while and had to scale back on my coaching and my international presence. Um, then, uh, during 2020, we basically you know, had some internal issues in my Evolution, or maybe not issues, but we just sort of, it, it came to the surface that we had different uh, visions uh, for the company. I had more of a, you know, I wanted to, well, save, save the world kind of thing. Um, uh, my revolution to me means something grander than just selling supplements. Um, and the the others kind of wanted to focus on just running a business and, you know, I'm, you know, I completely respect that. And. I just realized that this was something I had to do for myself, and maybe not through uh, a business. So um, I had a thriving podcast at the time for My Revolution, and um, I had started to work more one-on-one with clients, and just decided to go all in on that. So so nowadays it's uh, all in on uh, one-on-one coaching and. Uh, with a Norwegian focus, I don't. I just have like one international client now. I also just started my own Norwegian podcast, uh, so so things are looking good. As for the coaching part, I've I've sort of um, integrated what I did before, like the understanding of uh, nutrition and, and training, but but. Um, and continuing on with a sustainable uh, perspective on it, uh, I'm, I'm not chasing, you know, I'm, I'm not working with fitness competitors or bodybuilders. I'm working with more average people that just want to maximize their return of investment, basically. Um, I'm working with more uh, high-end professionals, uh, ambitious uh, driven people that perhaps are standing in the way of their own uh, happiness from just the way they think about themselves and think about their own business and think about health and nutrition in general. It's, um, you know, once you have a certain perspective, it tends to generalize to all aspects of your life. So it's, uh, I I tend to work with people now for a minimum of three months and uh, do weekly Uh, one-hour discussions uh, conversations, I just like to connect with people and and It's improved the results of my clients and it's improved my happiness and and enjoyment of the whole process uh, by ten times at least so so these days it's um, I I keep evolving and and, um, learning new things and, and basically being more and more holistic in my perspective and And being better, I think, uh, of figuring out what each client needs to to get the best results and and the best mental perspective.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so it's good to hear that you're back doing uh, coaching again. And this is something that I wanted to touch on because... I know that at one point over the course of us working together and just observing the way you were talking about things and your general attitude towards the whole fitness industry, I definitely noticed that it was almost, uh, or maybe not even almost, it was basically a process of burnout, just Hmm. getting fed up with the whole pursuit of the six pack, the single digit body fat, the huge biceps, that you just found yourself uh, burnt out on that Mm -hmm. um so i want to tie it back to what you mentioned about who you're working with now because it's great that you found now a clientele that you're happy working with but can you talk a little bit about that how you got to that point of just um not being happy with uh, what you were doing before
1: well in in my mind it it seemed like chasing those type of goals and i'm not trying to you know say that this uh, is the case for everyone but but chasing those goals can can end up being a destructive uh, mission uh it, it just you know it, it goes into the extreme you know more volume more frequency just do more do more do more eat less eat less eat less or on the other hand if you want to gain you should just go go mad you know do the extreme bulk um so it just seemed like and, and obviously it, it can be colored by uh, trends in the in, in the industry and trends from the people that we hang uh, hung out with and and talked with and and the most popular podcast and and experts and this was sort of the message that was being conveyed and and you know my type of perspective on the whole thing having been in this for way over 20 years was that this is just a pendulum you know the pendulum uh, keeps swinging in in each and every direction and this is not the answer to all problems out there and i i tended to believe that it was more of a mental capacity it was more of the perspective you have on the whole thing and I, I saw this when we worked with the sustainable self-development program also that some of these guys and girls that, that tried the program, to them it was a huge relief that they could get you know such amazing results from spending less time in the gym and, and having a more uh, overarching principle-based thinking around the process and learning how to figure out their own uh, key to progress uh, and just relaxing, you know, um, taking a more long-term perspective on it, and uh, it, it, you know, as, as you all also know that this was sort of drowned out by all of the the, the guys or like the experts and authorities with uh, millions of followers that that were preaching a different perspective on the whole thing, so so I just kind of lost my my whole passion in, in the whole thing that. Maybe I didn't market myself uh, good enough for, you know, I, I, I take full responsibility for not getting my message out there. But um, it, it's like, you know, banging your head against the wall sometimes. And, and I was tired of, you know, everyone that wanted to have me show them a study reference every time I opened my mouth, basically. So um, So I just felt like taking a big step back and watching the whole thing unfold and for, fortunately it seemed to be you know at least in some areas to, to be more balanced now and uh like all voices are being heard and some people have burned themselves out doing the more extreme or maybe not burn themselves maybe not burn themselves out but maybe not having those fantastic results that they were almost promised from looking at 8 to 12 week studies um so, so I think uh, it seems like the whole thing has uh, mellowed out a little. Of course some some are still arguing now it seems to be whether failure is actually failure if I'm not mistaken <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, you know it's it's just you know full circle and it keeps going back to those to the same things over and over. I guess. If you want to be in this uh, industry you you need to have a, a strong opinion about something and I I don't have any strong opinions. I agree that you can do high volume and get great results but uh, you know my question is can you do you actually need to and and after 10 years of training will you actually have more muscle than the guy who just chose a more moderate volume and and I don't think so. But if if it makes you feel good then you know go ahead. In the short term doing you know i i must say that you know i've also followed you and what you've been doing and and i completely you know respect the hell out of that what you've been doing doing high volume and and dieting down to uh to uh you know a crazy shredded uh, condition that's you know very uh very impressive what you managed to do so so i'm all for that if, if it's for the learning experience and if it's for you know Figuring out what you enjoy doing and not what you're supposed to be doing because it's optimal.
0: Yeah, uh, just on that. So I don't I don't do high volumes anymore, and I'm not chasing the shredded physique anymore. I, um, oddly enough, now that we are no longer doing the SSD thing together, my approach actually resembles that a lot more these mm, days. More. Than <laughs> Yeah. And and I almost feel like, I mean, we talked about this in private, but maybe some people, because I still get questions like, hey, what happened with you and Berger? You know, why is he no longer on the channel? And I always kind of mention them that, well, he kind of went on different ways um some of the internal motivations that you just outlined here but i almost feel like i almost feel like we started collaborating on all of those things at the wrong time mm. because i had an internal kind of inkling towards the same things that you're outlining here mm. but i was still sort of at the more not beginner stages of my training journey but i was still at that stage where that internal fire and impulsiveness was was still there to chase those really short term impressive results or just see how much I can push myself and while it's there in you I think it always remains to be just an itch that you feel like you need to scratch Mm, and I think you you had the edge over me in that you've been in this whole thing at that time for like 20-plus years or I don't know. Mm. And you have gone through all of that. You've done bodybuilding shows. You have done the high volume, the low volume. And there were no kind of uncovered mysteries for you at that point. So you were comfortable, like truly comfortable taking that more relaxed approach. Whereas for me at the time, it was like, yeah, yeah, I I fully buy into everything that we're talking about. But, you know, like what if? What if? Mm, Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. What if?
0: yeah. And that, and that led me to, you know, for one, trying higher volumes myself and also doing some foolish things, which I would never do today. Uh, for example, when I was dieting down, I was doing way more volume than I could recover from. I couldn't sleep anymore. I was doing everything that we talked about for months mm-hmm. not to do. I, I did all of those things for a period. and And of course, that also bled into the content that I just wanted to put out on YouTube, you know, like, hey, like, how much volume and, and,
1: um, yeah, you, you what, made some great content out of your experiences. So I, I believe it was necessary.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was a part of the journey. It's, mm. um, it, it, it's just something that I, I had to go through. It's, um, unfortunately you cannot graduate to or spread words of wisdom before you actually truly acquired that wisdom through your own struggles and and failures. And I, I just had to go through that, unfortunately.
1: Um, yeah, and I, and I think that that also um, you you can talk about these things, but you, if you've never done them, then you will not be confident. You you know you will have that mindset uh, that that the grass is greener. So yeah. so um, I, I I completely understand that you need to to have that experience for yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now, you know, two years later, like gone through a lot of things, getting shredded completely, just burning myself out on all kinds of ridiculous things the lack of sleep for months experiencing how it is to truly do things the unsustainable way and pushing yourself to the limits that way mm. and now i i'm like aha uh-huh, okay so this is why we were talking about all of those things to mm. avoid this because um what came after that was was miserable but anyway so you you found yourself in that place where you just felt burnt out kind of talking about these things and you found this whole chasing of uh, results with with methods that are are just not sustainable was there ever a time when you felt really internally conflicted about this like you felt like you had to talk about certain things and even though you weren't feeling passionate about it or you feel felt that internal conflict as you were doing it
1: oh yeah all the time and I keep having it so it's not like it's it's completely gone um, <clears throat> I I tend to call it humility you know that I always question my own beliefs but uh, you know it's it, it also it has a flavor of uh, you know maybe lacking 100 percent self-confidence in in my knowledge or my understanding and I have instead of letting that, dragged me down you know the way I used to it's it's more of a driving factor to me now it's it's why I you know I keep reading nutrition books I keep reading training literature and, and studies and I keep following you know having my finger on the pulse but I don't really get so much emotional involvement in it anymore I I focus on the people I work with and how I can help them and I I also see the same thing many of the clients that that contact uh, contact me and want my help they're not the guys that need more training you know they have done the high volume stuff they've done the high frequency stuff and and so a lot of them is simply rehabbing from that mindset mindset themselves and it's a combination of you know, if, if you're, you're a young college student and, you know, before Corona, then, you know, life was probably pretty good and you were eating well and you were, you know, hopefully sleeping better than the average uh, working class guy. Uh, and, and you can get away with that. You can get away with a high volume. And let's face it, you're way younger than me. So if you were my age, you would probably break after a couple of months on doing the stuff you were doing. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's all contextual, but I think when it, when it becomes uh, a general uh, recommendation for everyone without contextualizing it, that's when it becomes destructive. And um, But I see the same thing with the, with the professionals I'm working with, that they have this sort of mindset when it comes to their own business and their own uh, passion for what they're doing in their lives, that they, they tend to burn out doing that too, because it's all-consuming it takes up so much time that they they are um, they they don't get to spend time with their family. And it comes to a point where they're thinking, you know, is it all worth it? Because they're making more money and they're they're having more success, but but are they really? You know, it it becomes an existential question. So so I I have a metaphor that I've I've started using. I'm a big fan of using metaphors because I, I think we tend to listen more when you tell stories um and and not you know tell someone what to do and and it it feels like i've been spending many of my years training like i'm in a rowing boat rowing really hard and spending a lot of energy and having to look over my shoulder all the time and and having to use one side more than the other sometimes to to course correct and and now instead I'm I'm sitting more in a sailboat and I'm uh, adjusting my course with just small movements of the rudder to, you know, steer according to the way the wind blows and instead of having to to fight with every inch of uh, my my strength and willpower, to achieve something and um, it's more of an observer role and um trying to basically to navigate the best way I can through life and and uh, I, I I do see that it in all endeavors whether it's business money love um, you you need to be authentic you need to have some quiet time where you just try to listen internally what's going on and um, what what feels right to you trying things being uh, willing to make, uh, mistakes you know the classic story about Bell that he tried a hundred times you know he failed a hundred times to make a light bulb or was a thousand times I can't remember and his perspective was that while well, he figured out a thousand ways to not make a light bulb so so we shouldn't be afraid of failure either you know but use it as a learning experience so so these days I you know I I still have my emotional roller coasters but my my whole perspective has shifted and it's all just you know traveling on a sailboat and and being able to watch to to, to enjoy the journey instead of constantly using uh, muscle and force to to make things happen.
0: Yeah, and it's also pretty incredible that one of my big fears when i started talking about the more sustainable approach and when we were talking about it together i always had this big fear of men like are there enough people who are there for that kind of message because mm-hmm. and this is again kind of a uh, just a proximity bias or or maybe just um you you get into this echo chamber seeing certain things around you and you it it makes you think that these are the only ways to do things it kind of reminds me of when i was looking for a university degree and when you when you don't have a good idea of what's possible out there in the world like i thought that the only the only jobs available were like you're either a mechanic a teacher or like a carpenter <laughs> and like yeah. there's like nothing else and then it's like oh wow there are like thousands of different jobs available and similarly to this, it seems like, okay, you're either a bodybuilding coach or you're like a weight loss coach, maybe like helping very obese people become not obese, or maybe you're helping hard gainers and, and that's it, you know. Mm. But the reality is um, I I was kind of amazed just lately in the past couple of months, like so many of the people who reached out to me for coaching like a, a lot of them were basically the perfect clientele of what you're describing. It's mm. people who tried a lot of different things, had families, had, they were not like hardcore bodybuilders. They just wanted to get a good physique and maintain it and getting it and maintaining it in a sustainable way, mm. which is, I, I I never thought that there would be even like 10 people who would need that. And there is a lot more. So it's it's pretty incredible that when you become authentic about a certain message, you will find the right people for that. So,
1: oh yeah, uh, that's just exactly my experience as well. You know, everyone is talking about niching it down. And, and of course the guys we are following, we're f- probably following them because that's the sort of content we have been exposed to. And, and if you look at it, from like a larger perspective, from a global perspective, that's only a few percentages. But on a global scale, that's still many millions of people uh, following that ultra-extreme, hardcore, everything. And, and, you know, people are still watching Mr. Olympian buying the, the muscle mags. So, so there's a huge audience for that. But compared to the general audience that think bodybuilding is just crazy, silly shit, you know, it it, it's just a blip on the radar so so the majority of people out there are just uh, the regular guys and girls who want to look great in the mirror and and be happy about life and, and learn how to navigate their own reality
0: yeah yeah absolutely Hey guys, just a brief interruption, I want to let you know that round two of my group coaching service has now opened up in this coaching system, you will get a customized training and diet setup tailored for your needs, detailed guidance on training progression and diet management, and you will be able to interact with me and other members of the group, both in written format and on calls during the week. And for a limited time now, you can hop on a call with me and we can talk over your goals and see if you are a good fit for this so if this sounds interesting to you then check the link in the video or show description below and you can book a call with me but if you would rather just send an email you can also do that also check out the show description for that all right that's it let's continue with the show um so okay so so this is what you're doing now um and and it's good to hear that you're you're having a good experience with that so uh another thing i wanted to uh, kind of talk about with you, if you're comfortable discussing this, is um, there was a nutrition uh, slash training online conference where both you and I gave a talk, and um, I, I, I don't know, I think you also gave a talk on training, maybe you were talking about myoreps, um, but I, I could be wrong, but then you gave a nutrition talk, and you talked about your experiences with the uh, TRT and um, and also just like hormonal assistance and hmm. um, having been around that yourself and then uh, stopping with it uh, lately. Hmm. So um, yeah, I don't know how much detail you're comfortable talking about this, but can you um, share something about it that you're comfortable sharing?
1: Oh yeah, sure. I'm very comfortable sharing. <laughs> uh, that's. That's kind of the thing with being authentic—that you need to have the the courage to to open yourself up. And before, I used to be afraid of that. Would people judge me? And now I just embrace judge judgment instead. I think it's a more trustworthy way to communicate. Um, how, but basically, how, how are yeah. they
0: judging you? Just out of curiosity.
1: Well, uh, at least in Norway, it's very stigmatized if you're using steroids. Back then, when I when I used it, it was legal. It was legal to use it, but in, in certain um, in certain fields, then you were still being looked at as an idiot or, or just a you know, roid monster without any brains. I had people telling me, you know, wow, I'm surprised you're very intelligent, <laughs> just because <laughs> I had big biceps, you know. Uh, this was back in my younger days. But, you know, my history was that I was very skinny as a kid. And um, I realized now that it started with um, uh, with hypothyroidism. I had all the classical signs of, of uh, low metabolism. And I it wasn't uh, discovered back then. I would, no one was aware of it. And uh, it, it led to probably, or it was interacting with, low hormone levels. So my testosterone levels were really low and I had higher estrogen pro- production as well. I was aromatizing the little testosterone I had into estrogen. I, I also had to have surgery to remove uh, gynecomastia uh, mm. just because that's, you know, um, having low testosterone and high estrogen was, uh, and also having a lot of cancer in my family. So, so I needed to get that removed. And so, um, I had low testosterone levels, uh, it was hard for me to gain muscle, I trained my ass off and, and had some pretty good results, but compared to some of my friends, I was just, you know, way back there. Um, and then a friend of mine got access to testosterone, it was omnadren back then and mm. we were really really hardcore back then and we used one per week <laughs> so it's Which like is what? it's like 250 milligrams per week oh, okay and so for me that was just replacing what i was already supposed to have normally you know, normal production is between 70 and 100 milligrams per day and back when i was maintaining on on trt and and regularly testing my hormones I needed to use 150 milligrams per week just to have normal high normal uh, testosterone levels so I was probably metabolizing it or using it differently than others but you know what I discovered was that this wow I could suddenly build muscle my libido was back my brain fog lifted Uh, everything just you know my self-confidence everything just fell fell into place. I felt like this was the way life was supposed to be. So you can call it a psychological addiction, but uh, you know it was uh if if Norway had been as open to this as the US, then I would be getting a hormone replacement and, and feeling normal at least so i i used some uh, testosterone back then and we also had access to some Dianabol, ball so i used i think we used like four of those which is very little compared to today's dosages um but but i you know i ate like a horse and gained strength like crazy mm. um <clears throat> And so I went off and everything crashed, of course, I couldn't get back to normal, um, I was just, you know, losing my muscle, so yeah, for sure it became bo- both a physiological and, and psychological uh, dependence, or, or um, and I, I felt like I really needed it to function. And then I, um, at the age of twenty six or twenty seven, I think I uh, I worked in New York uh, as an engineer, um, developing three G uh, phones back then. This was uh, in ninety nine, I think, uh, ninety nine. Yeah, twenty five years old, mm. and I got some doctor prescribed testosterone, and uh, when I came back to Norway, I could. For the first few months use that prescription to get the same thing in Norway and I I, I Just kept using it. I, I had a few periods of time where I couldn't get it prescribed by the doctor or I couldn't get access to it and Got my hormones tested and they were always really really low. The normal range is 8 to 35 and I would test around 4 to 6 um, And for many years, and of course, I did some cycles uh, along the way, competed in bodybuilding, where it's almost a necessity if you want to be competitive. Um, I never did any well. Uh, I tended to get injured my connective tissue health was uh, really sucky and maybe my body just wasn't born to to do this naturally so
0: can, can you share something like when when you say you did some cycles so like uh i i know just in talking to you that you like never push the envelope not nearly as hard as like some people do but uh like how how outrageous did it get or like what did you what else did you try when you did cycling
1: Well, testosterone was always a mainstay and uh, I went up into 750 and a thousand milligrams per week But that made me feel really bad. So I always had to scale it back Uh, I did try some uh, Trenbolone and that was really strong and made me really really strong but also very aggressive So I just figured out I couldn't use that at all. I reacted really negatively to that Um, and well a few other things but you know I would for short periods of time you know I was part of that whole two on two off kind of thing or two on four off where you just use for two weeks and take two to four weeks off so so I experimented with that and wrote a lot of articles on that for a while Uh, back then um, so you know, I never did anything crazy. I, I can't really, off the top of my head, remember what it was. But I, 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 the one thing I can remember is that when, when I tried using more, I would always either injure myself or feel really bad. So I guess my body just didn't tolerate it. So I had to scale it back and go back to maintenance dosing. So for me. A perfect dose would be 150 to 250 milligrams per week. I, I remember staying on 250 milligrams per week for for at least two or three years and managed to 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 maintain a, a, like a hundred uh, between 100 and 105 kilo in good condition at a height of uh, 186 centimeters, uh, six foot one, and and you know. F- Compared to others, I was uh, I was tiny, but to me that was you know I had added uh, 30 kilos of muscle since I started training, so, so it was still a lot for, for me. Um, so eventually, I tried for almost two years with um, with the help of an endocrinologist to. Um, Regain my endogenous testosterone production. I tried uh, tryptoralin, I tried Clomid, Nolvadex, HCG, all the tools in the in the box and I got up to six testosterone of six. So my doctor just told me well, it seems like you you know, this is a permanent shutdown There's nothing you can do and I advise you to go back on at that time. We had access to testosterone gel so I could just, uh, you know, twice a day put some gel on my, on my body and without the injections. And I was happy on that for a while. Uh, the positive thing about that was uh, my girlfriend became pregnant at the end of that. So my son now is three and a half years old. So that's, you know, four and a half years ago since I went back on testosterone. But that always—I always had that in the back of my mind. If my body was able to uh, produce enough, uh, you know, hormones and testosterone, and uh, at least there was some production there, you know, wasn't completely dead, and I was able to make to impregnate my girlfriend. Then, you know, maybe if I did it the right way, you know, because I was still training hard, I was still doing frequency, I was training almost every day at the time. I was going through the the carnivore diet thing. I was, uh, you know, going on diets. Ten out of uh, ten months out of every year, I was dieting. Um, again, due to my low metabolism, my hypothyroidism. Um, so I figured, well, let's just, you know, figure out what's more important to life: being big and muscular or being healthy. And When I became a dad, I realized I want to become healthy. I want to live long. I want to watch my son grow up. I want to be a good role model. I want to be a good father. So I stopped using testosterone. And the story I told on the on on the that uh, wasn't it the Muscle MBA? I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had some presentations. I used a whole, uh, you know, toolbox of supplements. I realized now, in retrospect, that it was not necessary. But you know, I just wanted to go all in, so I used vitamin A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. You know, the whole alphabet of uh, <laughs> of uh, vitamins and minerals, and and just ate. So I I gained probably five or six kilos in a very short span of time, just because I kept eating every three hours. Um, after six weeks, I had eight. My testosterone levels w- was actually two points higher than they have been for the last 25 years. So that was, you know, a big, you know, I was jumping up and down from happiness. I, w- I was so happy. I was screaming from the rooftops mm-hmm. with barely normal levels. But, you know, it gave me hope. And my FSH and LH levels were uh, normal. So there were some things going on there. And after three months when I retested I think was up to 12 and now for the last two years or so I've been maintaining well it's been one and a half almost two years I've been maintaining around 15 and I feel pretty good on that you know way less muscular I'm holding around 92 to 94 kilos depending on how much food I eat reasonable lean, maybe 12 percent, um, but but you know I, I feel good. I have um, I, I keep working on my metabolism because every time I'm tempted to even reduce my calories, it drops like a rock. My body temperature and I you know get cold uh, hands and feet and uh, brain fog. So I'm very very sensitive to dieting and and just have to keep. Uh, maintaining a good food intake and, and not going overboard on my training.
0: Right. Yeah, I just I just plugged in, so I'm assuming you're referring to nanomoles per liter when you say 15. So that should be like 433 nanograms per deciliter, which is um, right around like the kind of middle of the normal range.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the, the crazy part about the normal range because if the lower end is eight in in uh, nanomoles. And the upper end is thirty-five. That's like four times as much. So you can be normal at eight, and you can be normal at four times as much testosterone. Yeah. And I'm basically, you know, well below the middle of the range, but you know, still, it, you know, in an optimal world, I would have even more. But maybe it's maybe it will never happen for me. Maybe that's just the way my my genetics dictates that you know I'm supposed to to be mediocre. <laughs>
0: So so one thing that you mentioned in there, which uh, I, th- I think made a lot of people kind of uh, raise their heads, and and definitely I'm interested in this because I also am thinking about it, like maybe when I'm getting a little bit older or maybe not even older, like maybe even in the somewhat uh, close future, uh, you know, just to have a, have a little bit more sex drive. I've never been one of these like, oh my God, I want to hump everything around me. My libido is so high uh, even as a younger guy and when i'm i'm mm, like that never yeah yeah um we had some discussions about this on the podcast recently that um every once in a while it happens but it's almost like a fluke like some something just happens i don't know does it have to do with the weather, or something in the air? I ate something, I don't know. But when I'm like that, it's kind of fun. I, I feel like a real man, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm also it's, thinking it's about It's
1: when it. Venus is in Gemini and the full moon is up, then, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. who knows. Ast- astrology, um, that's
1: the way to predict it
0: yeah who knows? Um, but you know I, I also thought about it like, yeah, maybe you know, just like a little bit of assistance, you know, just just to just to make myself a little bit more alpha. And, and certainly when I'm older to, you know, I don't just just now being at the at the age that I am the prospect of, you know, now I'm fit and lean and muscular. And as I'm getting older, it's all up, it's all downhill. It just doesn't sound that appealing. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned that you had to kind of weigh the benefits of being bigger and more muscular and being healthy. Mm. and now do you think that you were unhealthy being on TRT and if so in in what way
1: I think in my case it was unhealthy because I was using it as an excuse for not taking care of myself Mm. so um, I I do believe you can be healthy and be on TRT especially if there's something wrong with uh, the signaling inside your body and uh, you know is it the lifestyle is it the genes is it the environment you know what's causing it I at least wanted to try to see if I could fix it myself. It, you know, it's it's um, because this is my expertise. You know, it's it's like walk the walk and talk to talk kind of thing. Uh, I was suffering hard from imposter syndrome, advising all of these people on how to take care of themselves, and then I was obviously not doing that myself. Um, but but I do believe that for some people, if if no matter what they do and they have tried it all and they still have suboptimal testosterone level it should be a human right to get hormonal replacement therapy Mm -hmm. and that will improve their health as long as it's you know obviously supported by uh, by taking care of yourself with the your overall lifestyle and nutrition and training perspective
0: yeah yeah, it's uh, what you're saying is actually very interesting because that's that's something that we discuss quite a lot on this podcast uh, with, with with a couple of regular guests. That um, there is nothing um, there's nothing that. Sh- would make me trust someone who is enhanced as an like an expert less than someone who is not enhanced. Hmm. Like, like in your case, I knew that you were on TRT and I, I I never questioned what you had to say about about anything related to training or nutrition. Because I always had the feeling that you're... Or I never got the sense that your experience is colored by the fact that you're on testosterone. Mm. But in, in a lot of cases, just with some of the language that people use and the way they are talking about things, I cannot help but feel that they forgot how it's like to be not enhanced. You mm. know, it's yeah. um, like, like a lot of things like, you know... Um, for heart gainers, you know, a 1000 calorie surplus. Yeah, it's too much, but for some people that's exactly what they need to gain muscle. Mm. And I'm like, like, really? For like 1000 a 1000 <laughs> calorie surplus? Like really? Yeah. So uh, a, a lot of these things or whatever, like it's it's only a matter of the failure of the mind and that's why you didn't put on as much muscle as this other guy that you see on instagram like it's it's all about the work ethic and it's like really Mm, really like so um i i think i think that's the that's the only problematic thing that was like
1: that was like the narrative back in the days when we used to read the muscle mags that all these bodybuilders are so big you know because steroids was never discussed back then it's because they're training so hard you know yeah. that's because they're you know they're elite they have the mindset they have everything and and you know i've been traveling a lot and i i, I spent uh like three or four years in in the states i got to meet with them and i got to train with some of these big guys and and they didn't train harder than me they didn't do anything differently some of them were just you know like three out of four sets were just you know considered warm-ups for some people they they didn't push themselves at all once in a while they would push to failure but You know and and, and this is the discussion that you know If you look at how all of the Mr. Olympias have trained and, and Dorian Yates always comes to mind the the HIT crowd will use him as a perfect example of the one set to failure, but no, he didn't train all that different to to many other guys. He had, yeah, he had that one set to failure, but he had two to three warm up sets that were very similar to how some other elite bodybuilders would be training. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's like it's like an illusionist on stage. If you look at what I'm doing over here, you won't see what I'm doing over there. And and that seems to be uh, the case in, in, in a lot of the inauthentic uh, industry where, you know, well, it's it's this or it's that. It's the volume. It's the intensity. It's the whatever horse you're riding. And it's, it's, you know, they point a single finger at that one thing or it's the sugar, it's the gluten, if you're in the diet world, or it's the... Plants, or is or it's the meat? If you're a carnivore or a vegan, and and where's the voice of reason in all of this? Where's the more, you know? Well, look at, let's look at the whole thing uh, in a grander perspective. Throughout the years, you know, and you will find some similar similarities in what's been working for a long time for a lot of people, and and it's not the extreme. Uh, approaches at all it's it's the more moderate but now we live in a world where moderate is boring and it doesn't sell and, and people don't want to listen to that message you know i'm, I'm a member of i'm, I'm fortunate i guess because i'm a member of a facebook group called abbreviated training and it was started by a guy that used to be a very uh, voice of reason or, or a very um, you know, I used to stick his head out all the time in our group.
0: yeah, yeah, I and
1: I think he left it because you know, we kept getting into arguments and and I see now that we were more uh in agreement on things than in disagreement but but anyway it's it's a big Facebook group and it's thriving and it's it's a lot of normal guys and a lot of these these guys are really big, really muscular, li- really lean they're they're looking awesome and they're training two, maybe three times per week with one to three sets. And that's the environment I'm exposed to now. And, and like I keep saying for every guy that's been using the extreme approaches, the higher volumes, the higher frequencies, I can find you at least one guy that's looking just as good with the lower volumes and lower frequencies. So so I think you just need to, what's your cup of tea? Um, at least get points of reference. You know, what we did with the SSD system, we, we had people start with high reps, end up at low reps. Um, now, in retrospect, I think we pushed the envelope too hard on the effort part, like using my reps in cluster training. Uh, many people couldn't recover from that when they were doing full body workouts three or four times per week, you know, obviously. Uh, at least now I can see, obviously. So, so over the long haul, I think a more moderate approach where you at least have some leeway to try more frequency more effort uh, more weight, more volume whatever it's it's a much better way to to uh, you know enjoy the training journey
0: yeah yeah i mean it's uh like you said that the problem is that all of these things go in in both directions so yes for every guy who got great results on high volume for one you can find a person who got just as good results on low volume but you can also find a guy for every So for every person who got amazing results on low volume, you will also find a guy who got really shit results on low volume. And that's why I'm reluctant to, for example, call, like to name any kind of training system now, something mm. like abbreviated mm-hmm. training or something, because... The thing is, like, it really just all depends, like people respond better to different things. Um, most of my clients, I can tell that I'm training them with fairly moderate volumes, often no more than like 12 sets a week. And most of them say, wow, this is actually working way better than anything I've done before with much higher volumes. But there are a handful of individuals where like, yeah, you know, 16 plus sets, it's perfectly appropriate given your situation. So it's um, and, and that, again, is kind of a non-sexy message because it it's just really depends on the person. Um,
1: yeah, I think you shouldn't lock yourself into one way. Of, you know, try, try to figure out what works on an individual basis. And, and I do believe that if what you're doing now isn't working then then try something else it's, it's not that the variety in and of itself it's what's working but uh, if you're not really challenging anything so say for instance you start with low volume I think that's a good starting point and <clears throat> you're happy with your progress then we we'll keep doing that until things stagnate and if they stagnate when and if they do then you at least have some room to try more volume you know incrementally try you know one or two more sets here and there that's the process i take my clients through we start with a more conservative volume and and teach them how to use effort some of you know i have clients that have been doing 30 sets per week for some muscle groups and they freak out when i i have them do like four to six sets per week but after only a few weeks they have recovered they are getting stronger they're you know well i only have four sets uh, or, or three sets for this exercise so i might as well push myself yeah and so they get a different experience and they keep you know gaining on that for a while and then when things slow down well let's try to add more volume but we don't go back to 30 sets per week we go from six to six sets to maybe eight sets per week so, so at least try to look at it from like a journey, like you're in that sailboat navigating, you know, you're course correcting according to what you see, not jumping from one extreme to the other. And, and that's, I think, for some, yeah, a volume increase will be the, the ticket to, to more gains. But the more salutary and religious you get to what you're doing now, the less aware you are of how your body is adapting and the adaptation process and and the seasons and everything. I I remember um, there was a study recently. Um, I I just can't remember the reference and I I really wish I can uh, find it again. Um, You know, there's been like a trend for some uh, training studies where one leg is doing low volume and the other leg is doing high volume or at least different protocols. And then they see that, well, the individual gains are 40 times higher than whether you manipulate training va- variables. So a high responder will always gain better whether they're doing low or high volume. There will be some that you know one set is giving zero gains, and three or five sets is giving you know at least some gains. But the the individual results between higher or, or low volume isn't that amazing compared to the between between individuals results and there was one study that actually looked at <clears throat> they followed a the given training protocol for i think it was 2 or 3 months and categorized people into high or low responder after a 2 to 3 month break i just can't remember the details so you just have to apologize they came back and repeated the study, repeated the training protocol and expected that the high responder would keep being a high responder. And it was just no correlation at all. Like you would have, have people that for the first training period was a low responder and now suddenly they, they were a high responder and vice versa. So, so like a body keep adapting throughout, you know, from month to month and season to season, you have people that are very sensitive to sunlight and darkness you know like the circadian rhythm uh, research is showing uh, you have some people that you know suddenly they they put some effort into their training um, again the the body keeps changing the environment keeps changing what you're eating how you're sleeping the stress level there are so many factors involved that if you're just blindly following the high or low volume crowd then you are missing out on, on all of the other pieces of the puzzle. So, so that's the, the, the message I want to convey. Try, try to expand your perspective and look at other variables and just make sure that if you want to do higher volume, we'll at least have all of your other ducks lined up in a row so that you can at least recover from it and gain from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. One, one more question, uh, just just on what we talked about previously. So, if you could go back in time, so you mentioned that coming off TRT, what happened with your uh, body composition? So you, you said that you're still at a decent body fat level. Did you experience a big regression in muscle mass?
1: Oh yeah, for the first six weeks, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I basically oh, yeah. had zero. Testosterone. I, I also scaled back my training because I wouldn't didn't want to overdo anything. So I did lose some muscle mass and, and started gaining some body fat. It wasn't like uh from day-to-day day change, but but definitely you know over six weeks there were some changes going on. So you could say that I have lost probably around eight kilos of muscle mass since since then, but you also have to keep in mind that I have uh, had periods of time with very little training. And these days, you know, since my connective tissue health has never been any good, I, I keep having some pains and aches here and there. So I need to, to be very conservative um, in, in the gym still. But what I did, you know, what was comforting, uh, going back to what we talked about earlier, that should you trust someone on TRT? I, I have gotten even stronger confirmation on that my beliefs about training will work you, you know they will work even better when you're horm- hormonally assisted but when you're natural they are even more important to at least get any gains yeah so for me now I have tried doing periods of uh, higher volumes and higher frequencies and I, I get a much stronger and more rapid negative feedback that while i can gain for maybe a week or two but then things just you know it's a hard stop i just can't coax it uh, the way i could before on hormone uh, replacement therapy
0: right right it's still crazy that like you were only on like 150 milligrams and like the difference is still that big like uh it's it's crazy. I don't know because it's hard to even explain because probably your test levels were not like, you know, 1200 or something, probably only like whatever, 600 to 800 I would I would expect on that dose. Yeah I, m- yeah, I
1: measured them regularly. I had the blood work every three months and I was around 22 to 25. And a couple of times I, I managed to get 30, you know, but it was still, you know, within the normal ra- range, high end of normal range. But yeah. But yeah. So- and and you know, keep in mind that my individual genetics probably ha- had like a really poor response to it. I probably need that strong of a signal to even have that level of muscle mass. I know guys that have went went off uh, hormone replacement therapy, and and they maybe lost three four kilos. Mm-hmm. So so I'm probably just one that since I was skinny uh, growing up. Um, it made such a big difference once I started using and I had to use, you know, um, some people could get my levels at one pack of Testogel per day. I had to use twice as much to get the same level. So, so I probably don't metabolize testosterone very well.
0: Right. Yeah. So just for the listeners, that's like 600 to 800, the range that Berge mentioned on TRT. So, uh, yeah, very interesting, man. Um, all right, Serb. so I know you have to run, um, but uh, you, yeah, y- the outlining your perspective on things um, was very insightful, so thank you for that, and uh, it's always it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, it was good to just catch up generally. Um, yeah, likewise. Yeah. So, He's
1: yeah. You're doing some awesome stuff, Abel. I mean, I, I'm following you on uh, both Facebook and, and Instagram, and you're... You know, the content you're producing now is, is just uh, top notch. And uh, oh, I hope everyone thanks, uh, listening to this uh, really appreciates that. You're doing some great work. You're a voice of reason in all of this. Oh,
0: thank you, sir. That's I uh, really coming from you. That That's a big honor. Uh, so, yeah, please mention where people can find you. I just saw that you started a new podcast, which is great. Uh, not for me because probably I don't understand it because it's in Nor- Norwegian. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah yeah, it's
1: the podcast um on my facebook page obviously um i do post in norwegian now and i will start posting on instagram in norwegian but there's fortunately a translate function so you can at least understand some of it and um, i still have my international followers uh, liking my post and commenting on it so the the translate function does seem to work uh, appreciably well but that's that's basically it. Facebook and my podcast. I don't really push uh, content a lot. I have I have a busy schedule working one on one with with clients now, which is you know where I'm thriving. So
0: awesome! All right, Birger, thank you so much again for being on, and uh, I hope to catch up with you in the future again.
1: Yeah, definitely.